Welcome, everybody, to Books with Cooks, a podcast for bookies and foodies. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm Alex. And we're two cousins who are also best friends who love to read. Yeah. And I love to cook. And I cook to survive. We'll be reviewing, analyzing, sometimes overanalyzing, and discussing the books we're currently reading, as well as new and old recipes from our kitchen to yours. By the way, we're real people with real families. So you may hear cats, dogs, birds, babies, and husbands. So enjoy that bonus material. Now let's get booking and have a tasty chat. Started, we want to include some trigger warnings. This book and the following discussion will include topics of violence, gore, and minor sexual content. So please be aware of that before you proceed. Also, just be aware that there will be cursing and spoilers. So if that's something you're sensitive to, or if you haven't read the book yet, you may want to skip this episode and then come back to it in the future. Hey listeners, stick around after this episode for some bonus content. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Jess, welcome back. What are you snacking on? Hi. Hi, Alex. Hi. Hi. Hey. I'm uh, <laughs> <laughs> I am snacking on dark chocolate sea salt caramels and they're delish. Ooh, yeah, I that also sounds have amazing. A yummy chai tea. And mm. I am living it up with the full season. How about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have some sriracha chickpeas, roasted chickpeas. They're very good. They're a little spicy, not too bad. And I have a coffee and a seltzer. Nice, nice coffee today. Yeah, it's my actually my second one today. Usually I'm a one coffee per day person, but I needed two today. So Getting crazy. I'm doing good. <laughs> I had a Red Bull before. Nice. So, <laughs> I'm not drinking it right at the moment, but I did have my Red Bull today. So very nice. Have you, have you had your Red Bulls today? Not sponsored. <laughs> did you get your wings today? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you even up to? We haven't talked in like a while because I went I away know. for a little bit. I know. Um, I was living I... it up on the beach. Boy. Yeah. I'm super jealous. Sounds like you guys had an amazing trip. Super relaxing. And then you got it a lot of reading relaxing. done. I, you know what it is? Usually when we go away, we want to do all the things. And this time mm -hmm. I was like, I don't want to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to lay on the beach and, and not do a thing. So that's all we did. And it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I just, you know, never wanted to come back. So, yeah. But I'm jealous because you're going away soon, too. So I know. You'll, you'll see. It's, it's very, funny. It's good to just sit and relax and chill for a little while. Oh, yeah. Unplugged. I can't wait. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, though. At the beginning of the month, you were gone. And at the end of the month, I'll be gone. It's <laughs> October is just we couldn't be here for the beginning and end at the same time. <laughs> I know. We were like. I want to get away. I want to fly away. <laughs> By the way, Lenny Kravitz still got it. Still got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, and he acts apparently too because he was in. Uh, he was in the Hunger Games. Yeah. He was in the Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Hunger Senna. Games. I was so upset when they killed him. Yeah. I was like, hot. no, not Senna and not Lenny either. 
yeah he's he's a very good looking man and his wife um also or ex-wife was very beautiful also and that's why their daughter zoe kravitz is super pretty even though yeah. me and doug have this debate that she's not pretty apparently oh um, this reminds right, me of the doug, office when there's the debate about hillary swank zoe kravitz but yeah i uh i had a busy weekend uh rob's dad and stepmom were up for the weekend so we saw them Friday night. We went over to his brother's house. We hung out there. Then yesterday, there's like a festival near my house. So we went there with his mom, his dad, his stepdad, his stepmom, his sister, and niece, and a lot of walking around. And then today... How was it, the festival? It was fun. Yeah, it was cute. They had a lot of vendors. I didn't really get anything. I got one little thing. Uh, he got some beef jerky for $17. <laughs> $17. He said it was worth it, though. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I mean, it was nice. It, we were glad the weather held out. It didn't rain or anything. So that was nice. And then today I went and took photos of my niece for her first birthday. So that was really cute. I know. Mm -hmm. I can't believe she's turning one on Tuesday. I know. It's insane. Babies grow too fast. All Way of, too fast. Yeah. All of these little babes. I'm like, no, you can't. You have to stop. Your son needs to stop. <laughs> yeah. There was this little cute old lady that worked in um, the airport coming home. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like, oh, your son. Oh, my God. And she was like, how old is he? 16 months. And I was like, I love him so much. Because I wish he was still 16 months. <laughs> but is no, she, he, is she crazy, though? She was so like, cute. It's a very advanced 16-month-old. So cute, though. She was old. She was old, right? Uh, she was she was super cute though, and um, let me tell you, it's a whole different ball game. Okay, anybody who who's ever been to JFK Airport will know what I'm talking about, because when you go to JFK Airport, they hate their jobs and lives, and like as soon as you put down like your bag, they're gonna be like, "What is that? Can't have that." And I'm like, "That's my personal item. What do you mean I can't have that? Let me let me weigh that. Like you don't have to weigh my personal item. Um, yeah. they're just evil and they just hate hate you. And then as soon as you go to anywhere else, they're like the nicest people in the airports. Like this, this lady was so cute. She was like, oh my God, can I help in any way? I was like, <laughs> whole new experience here. Do you um, remember when, um, did we go out of JFK when we went to Florida last year? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. And they made did me check know? my, they made me check my carry on. Yes. And then the Florida, the, worst. the Florida airport, we were like, oh God, we're going to miss our flight. We're not going to have time. Cause there was like a whole bunch of delays and stuff. And then they were just like, no, you're good. Go ahead. And, and it was completely fine. And we were like, okay. Every, I know, but er, seriously, Doug, though, but everywhere, this is what happens. JFK is just like, you, you're the ringleader. Like, you know, like just horrible. <laughs> and then you go anywhere else and they're like, who cares? Who cares? I had some medication that I didn't want to put through the scanner. So yeah. JFK gave me hell for really? it. I had to wait like 20 minutes for somebody to come and hand check it. Oh and then God. on the way back, they, they were like, what is it? Hand check? All right. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I have to do with my insulin. Yeah, is, yeah. I've already was prepared from you know having gone away with you, so I knew what to expect. Yeah, but JFK was just like they wanted. Yeah, they wanted to give yeah. you a hard time about it. Yeah, the guy was like smelling it. I was like, relax. <laughs> like, so you smell it, relax, <laughs> guy. So like, Doug, right? There was like two milliliters of liquid in it. Like, calm down, sir. Oh yeah he God. pulled us over to the side it was intense that's what i mean jfk all right if anyone 
is from JFK Airport. Okay, I don't. <laughs> I like your airport because it takes me places. Okay, but you guys, you know, some of you just need to smile. All right. <laughs> some people are excited about their trip. All right, they want smiles. Right? That's all. They want your trip to start off on a, a stressful note so that you can yeah. get extra relaxed when you're on vacation. Yeah. And I told two people to smile. One did, and the other one didn't even make eye contact. You're one of those people, though, that's like, oh, smile, honey. Life's not that no, hard. I'm, first of all, I'm not 80. I don't call people honey. <laughs> Second of all, I'm not going to sit there and be like, like smile, dear. Come on, darling. That's not me. But I was, you know, <laughs> smile, honey. Uh. Why you don't know how to smile? Smile. Come on, sweetheart. You Go need a little faster, dear. You need a Snickers? You need to, I need to, Snickers, are you hangry? Can, can I put my cane through the scanner? <laughs> what the hell? I don't know. No, oh, no, I God. just, I passed by the guy and I said, I said, come on, you can give me a smile. Let's go. And he smiled. And then he said hi to my kid. And I was like, all right, Aww. see, we do have a human. Okay. All right. Otherwise, they're like machines. What's the point? Mm. One lady, I asked her a question. She walked away. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you. I was like, do I put my bag here? And she was just like, huh? <laughs> From me. Hilarious. That's all. Airport woes. Yeah. If you know, you know. <laughs> It's oh, hilarious. Anyway, that's what you have to expect. What airport are you flying out of? I'm going out of Newark. Okay. Newark, yeah. they're in between JFK and yeah. also, yeah. LaGuardia, we really didn't get to experience because we came home from LaGuardia and it was like, okay. Oh, right. We didn't really deal with anyone. Yeah. So I don't know. I've never had an issue with Newark. I've always liked the Philly airport too, but I feel like the, the only airports, because I've been to a few of them and really the the nicest ones are really just in florida <laughs> i don't know it's the they, easiest experience in florida yeah they're very they're much more laid back the rest of them i don't know i don't know you mean you mean just new york area yeah no because i've been to airports in like you know in other areas of the country too and i didn't have a great experience the one in oh. chicago was really fucking annoying excuse really? me but yeah did you but, ever go to the um the denver airport i heard that one's no a struggle also no i've never been to that one there's a lot of conspiracy theories about that one. Oh my god yeah what kind there's of things that i don't know but there's supposedly underground tunnels and things that go on there and then there's like this horse that's supposed to be like what evil. The, come on there's an evil horse in a, a secret tunnel shut up <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> Look, if you want to go down a fun rabbit hole, there's that one. I don't understand that one personally. But there's a horse, apparently, a statue of a horse that's evil. So I can't. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't. I literally can't with you. But before we, we move on, I just wanted to update you real quick. Because on our last episode, we talked about Vanilla Ice and the Havanaroni. So I asked, I asked Rob. I was like, hey. 
Have you ever heard of the song by Vanilla Ice, Have an Aroni? And he was like, no, I've only ever heard one song by Vanilla Ice. And I was like, what well, did you oh know? God, really? So then I explained to him about Have an Aroni and he was like, that sounds really weird. I was like, it is weird. And then I told him about how he sells houses or something now. And he was like, yeah. no, I never knew this about Vanilla Ice. I never wanted to know it about Vanilla Ice. I was like, <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, but I needed right. to know. So now you need to know. <laughs> Look, there was a moment where I was addicted to the Home Garden Network. Okay. And every single show that you know how they do like the marathons and they would have like, you know, Joanna Gaines and, and all these shows. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, instead of it being a marathon that I was watching, I forgot which one it was. Vanilla Ice popped up. <laughs> That's how I knew. I didn't want to know. And I was just like I didn't glued know. to my screen. Because he was like, what up? And I was like, what? <laughs> what are you doing here? It's so I don't funny. Know. Yeah. And anyway, having a Roni, everyone needs to hear that song because it's insane. It is insane. <laughs> it has nothing to do with a Roni. What is, I don't know. Was that the slang in the 90s or something? Like having a Roni? Like I just need to know because what does it even, even mean? Basil? He doesn't even explain it in the song. It's all really bad beatboxing. And ba, then ba, just, ba, da, ba, da, ba, ba. What is that? What it feels like having a Roni. Like what? <laughs> No, the best is after he does all that and he's like oh yeah like, like it's so good <laughs> like what he did with what he delivered was so amazing and immaculate like oh, you know? a, a real vanilla ice original there <laughs> it's it's hilariously bad <laughs> it but is. in a fun way yeah you know, kind of like in a kanye west um buying a, a record like buying a a track so that drake can't use it and then just literally shitting on it <laughs> right um, that type of way yeah <laughs> it's exciting to listen to yeah and those of you who don't know what i'm talking about maybe we'll include that <laughs> enjoy enjoy all right so let's move on to our word of the day ernie there you go all right <laughs> i got yelled at for not including his name Ernie, Ernie. you are a Devo. <laughs> Devo is the word of the day. D-I-V-O. Defined as Ernie. A diva, bro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into our word of the day. We had a good conversation. <laughs> okay, it's time for the word of the day. Remember that we encourage our listeners to use these words in your daily conversations and with us on our socials. Each word of the day will come from the Word of Day Vocabulary Workbook by Francine Puckley or Franny the Pucks. Follow the link in bio to get a copy for yourself. All right. So without further ado, today's word of the day is... Waft, spelled W-A-F-T, pronounced waft. <laughs> it's a verb that's defined as to carry lightly, as if caught in a breeze. For example, the scent of coffee wafted from Uncle Devo's corner in the kitchen by the coffee maker. Okay. You're welcome. You're welcome, Uncle Devo. Accurate. <laughs> Alex, let's come up with some examples to help us remember. Can you think of one or two? Sure. So when Elspeth is walking through the gardens with her cousin, who I think's name is Ioni, we can talk about this later, but she was smelling the blackberries she was wafting the scent of the blackberries as she walked the path very nice uh when i was at the beach this past week i was wafting of the scent of salt in the ocean oh nice sometimes it was delightful sometimes not so much <laughs> okay yeah today 
I went to a flower farm and I was wafting the sunflowers or the mm, scent of nice. the sunflowers was wafting into my oh. nose holes. Not my nose holes. <laughs> Wait, what is what do sunflowers waft like? What's the wafting scent? What do they smell like? I don't know. They smell like flowers. Earth. Okay. Earth? I don't know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't know how to describe mm. it. Oh, I love smelling this earth. You know, what's always funny is in books, they'll say something stupid. Like he, sm he smells like sunflowers and honey. And I'm like, what, do what does that mean? Explain it to me because I don't get it. I don't know how to describe how a sunflower smells as if it's any different than any other flower. Why does everybody always smell like tobacco? What? Everyone always smells like tobacco in books. He smelled no. like tobacco and musk. <laughs> no? I haven't no. seen tobacco that much. I've seen musk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> or, tobacco and musk all the time. They love, this... yeah. <laughs> they love describing men as smelling like oak and like the, the night breeze and stuff like that. And I'm just like, I don't, come on. It's all right. It's fine just... to read, but I still don't get it. What, you said it smelled like a cool breeze? Like a night breeze or something like that. No, there's no such thing as a night breeze. I know. People it just try to be too poetic sometimes. I know. It's the same thing. I have this beef. I'm sorry. This really should have been more in the snack time, but I need to say it. I have the same beef <laughs> with places like Bath and Body Works because they'll describe their scent as something bizarre. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to expect from this scent. So it'll be like, this is like purple haze. And I'm like, what the fuck does purple haze smell like? So explain it to me. Or it'll be like blue wallflower and i'm like what what's a, what i'm no. just making stuff up but they do things like that and no, i never I know, know what they they mean and i refuse yeah. to i refuse to get them for that reason <laughs> yeah one of them was ugly christmas sweater i was like yeah. what is ugly christmas sweater smell what like? does it, it smell, smell like, like? Um... it's so annoying all right <laughs> <laughs> so i have beef also, with since, you <laughs> since we're coming back to this i just want to let everybody know that i literally had a roni tonight um i did have that's all <laughs> You did have a roni. I did. I had a roni. <laughs> All right. Well, here's some trivia about the word waft. Originally meaning to move gently through the air, waft is also related to waken, meaning rouse from sleep. So there you go. There's some oh. more information about the word waft. So it could mean like I wafted this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Who I mean, I guess. I just wouldn't go around saying that because it sounds weird. Yeah, this morning at first light when I wafted. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> all right, so it's time for our ingredient of the week because you know we are all about booking and cooking. So, Jess, what is our ingredient of the week? Eggs, inspired by Jesper's breakfast at U Manor. We will be making something using that ingredient to discuss in our potty episode, which will air on Thursday. Send us recipe suggestions on our socials and we may feature them in the future. Let's tell you why we chose this book. One Dark Window is an eerie fantasy novel with magic and amazing word of mouth recommendations. So, of course, we had to read it. Yeah, I read it in September and I told Jess how much I loved it. So we were like, let's add it to our October lineup and share it with everyone. <laughs> yes, I couldn't wait to read it, and it did not disappoint. It did not. So excited to talk about this one. All right, so before we get into our discussion, here's a plot synopsis so everyone knows what it's about. It is set in the fictional king kingdom of Blunder. The story follows Elspeth Spindle, a young woman with a dark secret. There's a monster living inside of her head. 
Blunder is isolated from the rest of the world by a daunting mist that can only be vanquished by magic in the form of providence cards. However, all 12 cards must be collected to get rid of the dark magic infecting the kingdom. Together with mysterious highwayman Raven Yu and his co-conspirators, Elspeth sets out on a dangerous journey to find and collect all the providence cards before the king or before the monster inside of her takes over for good. Rachel Gillig is an American author and teacher. She was born and raised in California and studied literary theory and criticism at the University of California, Davis. When she's not writing, she enjoys working in her garden or going on walks with her husband, son, and poodle, Wally. One Dark Window is her debut novel and will be the first in a duology. Rachel is currently working on another adult fantasy duology. Ooh. Hey, listeners, stick around at the end of this episode for some bloopers and bonus content. All right, so let's jump into our book discussion about One Dark Window, and let's start off by sharing our thoughts on the characters. Who was your favorite and least favorite, and did you feel that they were overall well-developed? Okay, so like we were just saying, I really was surprised to learn that this was Rachel Gillig's uh, debut novel, because her writing is incredible. I think it's really great. Uh, I think all of her characters were very well-developed. Even the side characters, even characters that had little tiny roles, I just thought everybody was well thought out and well pictured. I, I really pictured this novel in my head and I loved it, <laughs> but we'll save that for later. But um, my favorite character, I would probably say is a toss up between uh, the nightmare. I think he's so interesting. Ooh, okay. uh, yeah. And I love you know, getting more knowledge and information about the Shepherd King. I think he's super intri intriguing. Yeah. I love his whole story, the whole story about the one dark window and why it's called that and the whole thing. It would be a toss up between him and and uh, Elm just because Elm's awesome. And I feel like he's somebody I would hang out with. I think he's hilarious. He brings some comic relief, <laughs> you know, and he's just not what you would expect from a prince. Usually like a prince is old princely. Um, and he's just kind of like, like mad chill. And I really like him. So <laughs> But I thought all the characters were well-developed and uh, even Elspeth, I thought she was a great character. You really get to know her, you get inside her head and I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I liked um, Rachel Gillig's writing a lot. Yeah. With her characters. Yeah, I agree with you. Elm was one of my favorite characters too. For me, it was a toss up between him and Elspeth. I agree though that I, I really liked all of the characters in this book, even the ones that were maybe more villainous. I still thought that they were really well developed. I thought that they were really interesting. None of them fell flat for me. They all seemed very complex and like they were real people. They really mm -hmm. felt like I was reading about real characters and I really liked that. I, I really did like Elspeth. I think she was a great protagonist and I really enjoyed reading her story. I thought it was really interesting, but Elm was just so funny, but also badass. And I was yeah. like, I like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was fun. Yeah, but it, I just loved that he was like a comic relief, but at the same time, he had a lot of depth to him. You know, he didn't feel two dimensional, like he was only there to provide comic relief. He also had a lot of insight and just really worked himself like he was in the plot a lot. It was just really well done. Yeah, and I, you can tell he's loyal. Oh, yeah. Super loyal to his people. Yeah, I think they even say at one point that he's loyal to a fault. So what did you think about the kingdom of Blunder? Did you think that the world building was effective? Is this a place you'd want to live? I don't know if I'd want to live there. <laughs> um, maybe I, if I was going to live in a fantasy world, I wouldn't mind Blunder. It seemed kind of cool. It was interesting. It had some weird stuff going on. I liked the magic system. So I, I liked the kingdom of Blunder, but 
I didn't like that it was isolated from the rest of the world. So that probably would make it a no for me in terms of a place I'd want to live. But I do think that it seemed like a really cool place. I thought it was uh, well done, the world building. I really understood what this world looked like. I could envision, like you had said, you could kind of see this whole place. I could envision the entire kingdom. I was able to really get a good feel for it. And I thought that Rachel Gillig did an excellent job. I think, you know, every, everything was well-established, well-defined and easily understood. I agree. I definitely wouldn't want to live there. There's other places, fantasy worlds where I'd prefer. Uh, but I think, like you said, I could definitely picture it. Like there's just forests and trees everywhere. There's mist, so you can't see beyond it. And I just think that's super interesting, even though it seems like a dark place. It seems like a beautiful place, like an enchanting place to visit maybe <laughs> and see for yourself. <laughs> Uh, but I thought the world building was very effective. I definitely think she did a great job making us picture it, uh, a great job of, um, you know, actually putting us there. Yeah. And actually I felt like I could, you know, be a part of it. I was there watching and I love that. Yeah. And I liked that she threw in the mythology of the world to help us understand why the mist was there. And, yes. you know, the fact that it wasn't always there and that it could be vanquished at some point. It was just really overall, really well done. Yes. And I think the spirit of the wood is super interesting. I can't wait to to maybe learn more about that in Two Twisted Crowns, the yeah. second book. All right. So let's review the magic of Blunder. What did you think of the use of magic and how it could be wielded? And did you feel like it was easy to understand? So yes, I did, actually. Uh, I thought this was well-developed as well, just like her characters in the world building. Um, she actually helps you understand that there used to be magic within the mist. Uh, anyone could have accessed it. Anyone could have tapped into it. But of course, there's this power uh, and greed. Uh, some people didn't want that. So it ended up turning into uh, the magic becoming cards. I mean, it makes it pretty understandable that the only way that you can access the magic these days in a modern world um, in Blunder is if you possess one of these cards. Otherwise, it's considered illegal. They go after these kids, anybody who becomes, quote, infected. Meanwhile, it's just somebody who is actually offered magic. Um, they sought out and, and try to uh, exterminate um, which is disturbing one of the main reasons I wouldn't want to live there um <laughs> did you think so I mean I think that she did uh I think it was very easy to understand I think that it was very interesting um and the fact that if you had one of these cards and you tapped it three times you could access its power and I think that's I think it's unique uh, you know yeah. I just thought it was really different and and interesting yeah, I, I agree with you. I liked that it was a unique magic system. I thought it was really well defined and you really understood what it was about. So like you said, you know, you have the cards and then you can, there were all different kinds. So some you could go invisible, some you could speak into the minds of others. There's some where you can see the future. But I also really liked that there was this whole theme throughout the book of you can't use the magic without there being a consequence at some point yes. as well. So yes. that I really liked that. I thought it was a really interesting concept to throw in here. I haven't really seen that much in a lot of fantasy books where you have magic and you can wield it, but there's also consequences to using that magic. So you need to be mindful of that. So I really liked that aspect of it. Um, I thought it was really easy to understand. I thought she explained it really well. I liked the part about the infected kids and how they became you know, they were able to then use magic, but then they were hunted down. So that added another aspect to it as well. And yeah, I mean, overall, I didn't have any issues with the use of the magic. I thought it was really interesting. Again, you brought up the spirit of the wood. I would like to get more information about that. I think we will in the second book. 
And it, it was really cool because they explained in this book also the whole history of the magic as well and how it came about. And yes. I just, I really liked that aspect of this book as well, where we really got the mythology behind the, the magic and the world. And it's just cool to read about, you know, having like a whole history of this, this kingdom. And that's what really fleshed it out for me. Yeah. It made it as much as it could be a magical world, but made it real. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It was really cool. Uh, so Rachel Gillick has expressed that one dark window was loosely based on the famous poem, the highwaymen by Alfred Noyes. Mm -hmm. In what ways could you see her inspiration throughout the novel? So I remember this poem from, I think I read it when I was in middle school. And basically you can see her inspiration in a lot of different ways. So the poem is about this highwayman who's basically a robber who comes to town and he falls in love with who they call the, the landlord's daughter. And then he leaves town and while he's away, the town gets attacked and they tie her up and they hit, they are threatening her. And then she is able to basically warn the highwayman as he's coming back into town before killing herself. Like she kills herself in order to warn him about the upcoming danger. I thought it was interesting in that respect. That's definitely a component of this book in terms of what Elspeth does at the end. Um, sacrificing herself in order to save her friends. And then we also had her name is Bess in the, the poem. So her name, Elspeth, they shorten to Bess occasionally in the book. And then they do refer to Raven as the highwayman because he is, he's kind of like a robber at some points um, where he's with his friends uh, and they're stealing the Providence cards from people. So I thought that that was a really interesting little piece of trivia about the book and you can definitely see her inspiration in it that's very interesting i've never heard of this poem before and i just glancing over it you could see some inspiration where it says the landlord's black-eyed daughter mm -hmm. and you know that she has black eyes they turn yellow when she has the monster um in her head but uh and and yes i see Bess. so that's interesting it said there's a lot of dark dark almost um every other line seems to say the word dark in a lot of sections so i could see um where she would pull like a dark fantasy out of that yeah they actually use um she got the title from it too i forgot there's actually a line in there too where it says one dark window um i forgot about that but i i don't know i just thought it was a really interesting piece of trivia um i found it it yeah. says there was death at every window and hell at one dark window yeah. for best could see through her casement the road that he would ride interesting yeah, I thought that was cool. And I thought that it was really, I could imagine Rachel Gillig reading this poem and then coming up with this whole concept in her head about these characters and, and this idea. And I thought that that was really, that was really cool. Yeah, I think so. So protagonist Elspeth and other characters in the novel were infected as children, which resulted in them manifesting magical abilities. How did her experiences compare and contrast with the other characters in the aftermath of that infection, as well as in them harnessing these magical abilities? And do you think that there's a connection between her magical ability and Raven's or any of the other characters? Okay, there's definitely a connection between her and Raven. They both have interactions with the nightmare card so he actually can't interact with a lot of the cards his magic doesn't allow him to except for that and the mirror card and we don't know about the is it called the twin elders yeah yeah we don't know about the twin elders card yet because that's in nobody's possession it's been like buried away um for centuries i mean it's really interesting that he can access the nightmare card and that the nightmare card has affected her so i just think that's super cool um, I, I think it's interesting, too, that her 
magic is that she can actually, you know, take in the card so she can actually become the card. I think that's super cool. Yeah. Uh, I just think it's 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 unique. Um, the fact that, you know, she can actually absorb the power, whereas most people have to tap the card and then untap it to get rid of the power. So I think that's cool. Um, as far as, you know, her and Raven, obviously there's definitely connections there. And if the Shepherd King is where he lives, the Shepherd King's castle is on his property. The Shepherd yeah. King is in her head. There's so many different correlations there. And I just find that super fascinating. And I kind of love that for them. I think there's <laughs> something interesting, you know, budding there. Ugh, I know. Uh, but as far as um, the compare and contrast part, I mean, all these kids, they were being exterminated. They didn't have people protecting them. Her father was in a high position. Um, as far as the Yu family, they were also in high positions. They're related to royalty. Uh, so it, it comes down to if the king finds out about these infected children and he believes that their power can be put to use, he keeps them around and he uses them for their power. Well, if he finds out that their magical abilities aren't great, then he exterminates them. But overall, it all comes down to power and control. You know, he'll exterminate these these kids or anybody that's infected with the power and anyone who uh, harbored, harbored these kids. Um, he would uh, exterminate them as well to send a message because it's all about control and they want to make sure that nobody can use it against them, obviously. She had an upper hand and so did Raven in that situation, whereas many kids did not have that protection. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I didn't really put that connection together that it's because their parents were in positions of power. To me, it was more about the individual family units. I thought that her experience was interesting, that they almost had kind of opposite um, experiences where her dad, he did protect her, but he didn't really support her. So he just kind of sent her into the woods to live with her aunt and uncle and then really didn't have much to do with her after that, besides, you know, ensuring that she was able to stay in their care and her aunt and uncle were the ones who were able to, to protect her and keep her safe and kind of keep her hidden in many ways. You know, she didn't really go to a lot of events or anything like that. And then you had Raven and his brother Emery who were both infected, but they seemed to have really loving parents who were doing whatever they could to protect him. It did turn out that the king is going to use Emery to basically use his blood to sacrifice him in order to eventually get rid of the mist. So he was keeping him around. And then I don't, I think he knows about Raven's power and I think he was protected for that, but that's interesting. I didn't really think about the power dynamic. That's probably a really good point that if he hadn't been, you know, a cousin, then maybe he wouldn't have kept him around, even though he was still willing to sacrifice his brother. So I don't know. Um, yeah, and yeah. you're right too, because I didn't think of that. The father doesn't really protect her as much as he protects himself because he doesn't want to be discovered yeah. that he's harboring a daughter. So he sends her to live with her mother's uh, sister. Mm -hmm. I think it's her sister, right? Yeah. Um, so she lives in her aunt and uncle in the woods, kind of hidden away. But at the same time, he lost his wife. She reminds him, of his wife, he's holding on to her, so he doesn't want to lose that. Um, so he is kind of protecting her without really being a great dad. If yeah, think about it that way. I mean, he definitely protects her. He's just not very supportive. Where he's right. not, you know, the one taking care of her, ensuring exactly. that she's okay. And Whereas, I didn't think of that. Um, You're right. The U family is a supportive unit. Yeah, she didn't have that. Yeah, and then even her uncle isn't really. No. 
And then when it comes to Elspeth's and Raven's magic, I really hope that we're going to get a little bit more of this in the sequel, but I agree that there is some type of connection there. So Elspeth, as you said, can kind of absorb the power of the Providence cards and they become part of her, like the nightmare was absorbed into her, which is really interesting. And then Raven, his power is that he nullifies the power of the cards. So each year he loses the ability to use one of the cards. Now it's down to the mirror, the nightmare and the twin elders, which we don't even know what the twin elders does yet. So that'll be interesting to see. But I I thought it was interesting that she absorbs the cards and he nullifies them. And there were a couple of moments in the book where she would say something along the lines of, oh, every time he was touching me, that voice in the back of my head went very quiet. I could tell he was there, but it was he was very quiet. And I was thinking maybe he's nullifying the nightmare in her. So I thought that there was a connection there. They're kind of two two opposite sides of the same coin. I'm looking forward to learning more about the two of them and maybe he'll be able to use that type of power to eventually, you know, restore her back fully to her body without having to share it with the nightmare. Ooh, it ends so good. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It's really messed up, actually. If I could talk to Rachel Gillig, I'd be like, why? Why'd you do that to me? I wasn't uh, expect. I will get to that later, but I was yeah. not expecting it. No, no. I immediately, as soon as I, I ended it, I was like, uh, okay. And it was like, oh, pre-order the next one. I was like, surely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I immediately was like pre-order. Yeah. So same. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> there, there have been several instances throughout Elspeth's life that required her to call upon the nightmare to help her, resulting in her becoming weaker and the nightmare becoming stronger. So do you think that she relied on the assistance from the nightmare appropriately too often or not often enough? Okay, so I've been really torn about this one because I think it was mostly appropriate, but I think there were a couple of times where she did rely on him, where maybe she could have tried to find another way before going to that. I don't know. I To me, I was kind of like, if you knew that this was going to happen, maybe try to use it more sparingly. However, when the novel does start, we do know that she hasn't really ever called upon him except that one instance when she was a kid when the physicians were coming to basically get her. So she has gone a long period of time without having to rely on him and it just so happens that she's been living this very quiet life up until the point that this book starts so it would make sense that she has more situations now where she would need to call upon him, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about her use of the nightmare at at all these times. So for those of you who haven't read and who might not read this book, basically when she's a little girl, she reaches into her uncle's pocket because she has this ability from having the infection that she can see cards with colors. So she knows where cards are because she can actually see the colors of them um, from very far away too. It's very interesting. So she sees this color. She doesn't know yet. She's not familiar. She's not experienced. She touches it and she realizes she absorbs it. It's the nightmare card. And the nightmare from the nightmare card, the monster actually goes into her mind and ends up being the shepherd king. Um, But he's a a 500-year-old monster. She doesn't really accept him. Obviously, who would, right? A monster living in your head. That's kind of crazy, especially for a little girl. Um, So she kind of just lets him stay there and dwell there. And then after a while, you know, um, she she realizes that she could summon him um, and uh, have her, you know, have him help her in ways. Uh, but of course, the cost of summoning him, his help makes her weaker. And eventually, if she keeps summoning him, he will become strong enough to overpower her mind and become him. And it was a really interesting quote, actually, from the book. I remember it was 
he kept like talking in rhymes. It was so interesting. Yeah. Um, and he says something about how the shepherd, the king, no, it was the king, the girl and the monster they became. I freaking yeah. loved that. Every time it was said, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. Uh, very poetic. And I loved it. Uh, so, I mean, every time, you know, I, I had a feeling that they were going to become one eventually. I didn't think it was going to happen so soon. <laughs> uh, but when it did, I was just like, no. Um, but I, I feel bad for her, you know. But yeah, I agree with you. There was there was instances where she definitely needed his help, like when she was on the road and she was getting attacked. Essentially, we find out later who the attackers were. But um, she was getting she was on the road and they were basically, you know, harassing her and she summons him to help. She wouldn't have been able to help on her own. That was interesting. But once I'd learn if it was me that you know, if I access him, I'm going to become weaker in my brain and he's going to more overcome me or overpower my head, I would be less reluctant. You know, I'd be more reluctant to let him help. Uh, and I do agree with you. There were some instances where she calls upon him to help her and it, it really wasn't necessary. Like, yes, if there is a card being used, like one of the, um, um who we said we liked before has a card. Uh, what is it called? It's the red card, the sky. The scythe, right? yeah. Scythe card. And that card actually accesses your brain and helps control your actions and makes you do things, which is a scary card uh, if you're on the other side of it. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, she calls upon him while that's happening to her. So this way it can kind of reduce, you know, the the charm of it, of making her be controlled. Um, so that I get. But once I learned that, uh, you know, if it was me, once I learned that something it's going to make me less of me, I wouldn't be accessing him ever. You know, you got Raven, yeah. you got this whole little clan now that you're a part of that can help you and they're loyal. Yeah. You know, there really wasn't um, much need for that, except in that scene in the woods. Obviously, she was going to access him there and that made sense. But um, I think she did it too often. I don't think it was not often enough. I think obviously who would want to be less of yourself too soon? <laughs> So, yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just I think it was too much. Yeah, I think that first time when she was approached by the highwaymen before she knew it was Raven and them, I feel like she might have been able to run away. And then if she couldn't, maybe then call on him. And then even when they were being attacked, when they were trying to steal the Providence card from uh, I can't remember his name, who they were trying to steal it from a local lord and Oh, yeah. You know, she had to attack her dad. I, I was like, I don't know. Maybe she could have gotten away with not using him there. But that one I understood more. But I, I felt like she called on him too soon. Maybe it wasn't that she used it too often. It was just before she tried anything else, she just immediately called upon him. And I feel like she could have, like, tried to just run away first, you know? <laughs> I just try to get away before you call on him. I don't know. I feel like... Uh, when she was on the road and she was trying to defend herself and she said, help me, help me. I feel like she didn't realize the, you know, what that meant. But at the same the time, first time, maybe everybody learns in this world. I mean, you basically know it already. It's implied that there's a cost to using yeah. magic. So obviously she knew that there was a cost somewhere. All right. So Elspeth does have many relationships with other characters throughout the book. Let's discuss these relationships and how they impacted Elspeth throughout the novel. Which ones did you think stood out to you and had the most impact on her or that you didn't like, maybe? We have some debate about Ione, Ione. Yeah. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Ione because it's like Hermione without the Herm. <laughs> I think that's hysterical without the Herm. So uh, without the Herm is her cousin. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Ione, whatever. I'm going to call her Ione. I own 
um she she's her cousin in the book that's like her best friend she grew up with her it's the one person that she finds supportive in her life and who really cares for her and she ends up using this card the maiden card that makes her more beautiful but obviously that has a cost right um it makes you more beautiful on the outside but less beautiful on the inside it gives you kind of like a heart of stone so that relationship gets deteriorated as soon as she uses that card but also you know she never is open with ion about the monster in her head She's never open about her magic. She doesn't actually become open until she comes into this group with Raven, Elm, you know, and all the U's, um, the U family, I should say. And they have a little pact with each other that they're loyal because they're trying to bring all the cards together. And if they do that and they spill um, infected, someone who's infected uh, their blood, um, then they can maybe stop this curse, stop the mist that's uh, overcoming their town and try and, um, you know, help uh you know get rid of all this this evil that's uh plaguing their town so i think that her relationships start improving as soon as she meets this group and i think that um you know she, they bring her something that she's never had before she's never had uh people that she could trust with her i mean she did have she thought she could trust ion but at the same time she knew not to tell her anything right and she never did and good thing because now ion is not exactly who she used to be or who she thought she was. I think the relationship between her, her and her father is very complicated. You know, he's holding on to the memory of his dead wife through his daughter, but he's not really close with her. She's obviously not close with her uncle, but she is very, very close with her her aunt, um, Opal. She is a mother figure for her. You know, she's the last thing holding on to her mom. And she truly does love Elspeth. So um, her relationship with the nightmare is complicated as hell. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you had somebody in your head that wasn't your own thoughts, it was actually something else living in there. How the hell would you be? Uh, so, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's complicated, man. Yeah, I loved, again, Rachel Gillig's writing in this book because she did such a good job of showing these different relationships and really building on the new ones. And I loved the idea of the found family trope in this book where, you know, she did have a complicated relationship with her dad. He... It's not that he didn't love her. You could tell that he obviously cared for her, but they weren't close and he did send her away. He didn't really raise her. Her aunt Opal did. She did have a really sweet, close relationship with her aunt, her uncle Tiern or Turn. She didn't really have much of a relationship with, but that was interesting to see that dynamic that she had been living with this man for, uh, I don't remember, I think it was like 11 years or something along those lines. And she never really built a relationship with him. I thought that was interesting. Then she also had her stepmom, which was a really combative relationship. Her stepmom was really resentful of her because she reminded her of her mom and all this and just was really mean to her. And I thought it was interesting to see that dynamic, but then also see her having a decent relationship with her stepsisters as well. They seemed a little dimwitted, <laughs> not to sound mean, but they reminded me of like the annoying sisters from Pride and Prejudice, you know, that are just kind of like dumb and like, oh, I want to go see Mr. Wickham or whatever. Yes. Um, but it was nice to see that she was able to maintain at least a, a, a decent enough relationship with her stepsisters, despite the terrible relationship with her stepmother. But I liked the way that she was then able to form the bond with Raven and the Yu family and kind of be brought into their circle. The relationship with the nightmare, I loved this. The writing was fantastic when it came to her interactions with the nightmare. It was like almost cute at times, you know, because it, it was interesting because you saw her battling with this idea of you're not me and I don't 
appreciate sharing my space, my inner, you know, who is me with you <laughs> against my will. But then at the same time, he seemed very protective of her. And, you know, he even had like some pet name for her. I think he called her like little one or something along those lines. I don't remember. But it was just really cute at times, even though he was also ruthless at times. He was very, you know, this is how it is. But you could tell he felt compassion and, and some sadness about it. So I really enjoyed reading about that whole relationship. I thought it was really interesting. My favorite relationship was between her and Ioni. I thought it was a really complicated, really interesting and really realistic relationship between two close people who then get kind of torn apart by other elements. Ioni, I don't think is fully on the dark side yet. So I think that we do see her kind of pulling back and becoming more cold. I also think Elspeth was very judgmental of her right out the get-go. So before she even, you know, was betrothed to this prince, she was like, you can't do this. This is a terrible thing. And then as soon as she is told that she's going to have a maiden card, she's like, you can't use it. And I get that she was trying to be protective, but it didn't come off that way. (laughs) To me, it came off kind of judgy. And I think that's how Ioni took it as well. But then later on, Ioni does try to protect Elspeth against Prince Hoth. So I have hope that Ioni is going to come back from from her cold heart. And I think that she's being controlled, at least to some extent, by the prince. And that's why she's using it as often as she is. And I'm hopeful that Elm, who I thought his relationship with Elspeth was really sweet, too. I liked that we saw a relationship, a friendship between a male and a female without any romantic element involved in the book. And to have it be a really realistic and fleshed out relationship. But I think that Elm and Ioni will hopefully maybe get together in the second book. I think he's going to pull her out from the dark side. But yeah, I, I thought that the the romantic relationship, it I liked that romance didn't play a huge part of this book, but there was that element and I, I thought it was well done and realistic and well developed as well. Going back to Elspeth and Raven, when Elspeth first learns that Raven is in possession of a nightmare card, she asks that he never uses it its powers um, to speak into the minds of others on her. Uh, Raven respects her wishes, but later he does use the card to aid her after they've been given a truth serum by Prince Hoth. Uh, This ultimately results in Elspeth disclosing the truth about the nightmare to Raven. So do you think that either one is justified in feeling betrayed by the other? And how do you think that this reveal was handled in the novel? Yeah, I thought this was well done in the book. I I don't think that Rachel Gillig really like got into a lot about the betrayal. It was definitely touched upon. And I thought I thought that the way that she handled it was really nice. It so this is considered a YA novel. I still don't get that. It doesn't read like one at all. I thought this was handled very maturely, where they both acknowledge that, hey, I asked you not to do this, or you know, I I asked if you were telling me the truth, you and you kept this truth from me. And then, you know, I asked you not to use this card on me and you used it anyway, but he was trying to help her. They were able to have a conversation about it and they were able to resolve it right away. So I thought it was handled really well. I don't think that they really felt a super, uh, I, I don't think the betrayal was felt a lot in the novel as a reader, at least. I think that they both felt it a little bit, but I think that they were able to address it in a really mature way. So I do think they may have been justified in feeling that way, but I don't think that the novel really got hung up on it. So I really liked that about this book, that they didn't try to use this whole trope of miscommunication. It was like, hey, yeah, I asked you not to use this card on me, 
And it's because I got a friggin' monster living in my head. And I was, yeah, I didn't tell you about it because I was scared to. And he's like, yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> so I, I, I liked that. I, I liked that in this novel. Yeah, I think you're right. Rachel Gilly definitely handled this well. And I agree about this being a YA. I was very uh, taken back when you said that this is a YA. But I, I guess it's because it is about young adults. Um you know, it is a coming of age, but I think it's misgenred personally. I think this is definitely yeah. not a YA book. So if you go into it thinking, oh, this is a YA, it reads more adults, but I get it. It is a coming of age. So maybe that's why it was classified as such. I'm not sure. I think it's it's better than YA, but maybe that's because I'm an adult. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I agree with you. I think that it's justified. I, I like that she doesn't really overdo this part Gillig I think that um it was handled well I think that uh I like the way that they're they're very understanding of each other because they are going through similar things you know they are considered infected outcasted you know uh and they've been living with these secrets as children they've been living with it their whole lives you know or at least um you know while growing up a lot of their life lives so, uh, you know, they've been going through things and now they found somebody who can understand what they're going through. So even though they're holding back, it's because they're reluctant because they've been uh, indoctrinated and, 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 you know, they've had to be that way their whole life to be guarded. Yeah. Um, so now they they realize that they don't have to with one another because they are going through similar things. Um, and obviously, yeah, like you said, you know, there's a monster in my head. I don't want you in there because then you're going to know <laughs> you're going to know my secrets, you know, and. Who the hell wants anyone in your head? She didn't want the nightmare in her head to begin with. She was never given a choice. So when she is faced with this again, uh, where somebody has the opportunity to do it, she doesn't want them to do it. And that's her choice because she doesn't she didn't have free will when the nightmare entered her mind. Um, so when that does happen, first of all, Prince Hoth really with his truth serum, I knew that was happening. They kept mentioning that card and I knew that was going to come about in yeah. some way or form. And as soon as that card presented and as soon as I was like, I knew it. I knew it was coming. I sensed it. Um, and I knew it was going to be this trash bag Hoth, you know, because he is a, he, he's a trash bag. He's a trash bag. You know, I really hate him, man. Like, I, I was calling him Haith because I hate, you know, I was like, I hate you. Because um, I just don't understand, like, how him and Elm are brothers. Like, he's a piece of crap. I know. Elm is great. I know. That's and all. he was really terrible to Elm too when they were kids. Yes, he was. That made it and even, that made me hate that's him why he's a trash 10 bag. times more. I know. I was like, don't you dare treat my elm that way. My sweet yeah. baby elm. <laughs> exactly. Like, he's not even the trash that goes in a bag. He is the whole bag. Okay. Bag of trash. Bag of trash. <laughs> <laughs> bag of trash. So anyway, the bag of trash comes in with the truth serum, you know, and he starts asking these questions and he's doing it because he he wants to ask Elspeth a question. He's doing it very sneakily because he got hurt in the woods and he has some, you know, uh, some inklings and he wants to find out what's going on. Um, and then, you know, he he basically gives them this truth serum, but in a, in a power of a card and asks them these questions that they can't say no to. Um, and he's very sneaky about it. But so she does get out of it. Um, thank God to from Raven. So as far as her her concern is, you know, she gets it. She asked him not to enter her brain. But of course, in that situation, he was trying to help. And I'm sure she was grateful for it. So she easily forgives the action. All right. So at the end of the novel, Elspeth's body is taken over by the nightmare. She asks for his assistance in killing physician Orith Willow. And she gravely injures Prince Hoth using the nightmare's powers. 
did you anticipate this outcome? No. <laughs> this part was awesome. It was so much fun to read. Um, yeah. I mean, this was really cool. But at the same time, I was like, don't ask his help. Because yeah. I knew that, you know, something bad was going to come out of it. Uh, she did need his help. But yeah. at the same time, Raven and, and Elmore on their way back, I felt like she could have waited and maybe gotten some help. But they were trying to hurt her. Yeah. I don't know. This whole plot was really, really good reading style, like fun to read. Yeah. And it was presented really well. I did not anticipate this outcome, but I knew something was going to go down with this physician from the beginning of the book because he was mentioned a lot, very frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, and the part about Prince Hoth I didn't see coming because she... Well, when the nightmare took over her, he hurt her, hurt Prince Hoth so much uh, that he is depicted in the novel never to be the same again. So that's yeah. interesting. And yeah. good, good. <laughs> Listen to me. Like, it gets to the point where even though the nightmare seems like he's, you know, like the devil, mm -hmm. um, he seems a little bit more reasonable than this asshole. So <laughs> I was happy to see this happen. I was like, good for you. <laughs> this is what you deserve, you, you trash bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I didn't anticipate this outcome, but I'm glad it happens. Is that wrong? I don't know. No. No, I'm not happy for Elspeth, though. That I, I feel sorry for her. Um, yeah. But it, it makes an interesting read, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens to her next. Yeah. My mind was blown when I was reading this part of the book. I was like, all right, she's going to use the nightmare one more time, and he's going to take over, but then she's going to come back. Like, they're going to do mm -hmm. something. Raven's magic is going to nullify him or something, and she's going to come back. And no. And I just, I, I didn't see it coming. I was blown away. I loved reading it. Like you said, it was so much fun to read. It was just crazy. And I can't wait for the second book. But I really, I never saw that this would happen. I thought if anything, it would happen, but they would save her. Like some, she was going to get saved somehow or the nightmare was going to do something and be like, oh no, I love you. I'm going to let you keep your body and just fade into the dark. And no, <laughs> he was just like, I hate that I have to do this, but this is the price for the magic. And oh, it was just so good. If you're unsure if you should read this book, read this book. It is so good. <laughs> you know what? I'm excited for part two because I feel like now it's going to be the nightmare talking mm -hmm. to us, but her in his mind. And yeah. I think that's so friggin' different and unique and I awesome. Know. I uh, know. I just, I can't even tell you how much I love this book. And it just applause to Rachel Gillig for doing this because I feel like it takes some balls for a debut author to just as you're essentially killing off your protagonist by the end of the book you know what I mean so kudos to you and it was just so interesting it really was it was so well done yay all right yeah. <laughs> so the novel concludes as we've been saying with Raven and his group having collected 11 of the 12 Providence cards and then a nightmare who's now Elspeth, right, took over her mind and he's speaking for her, uh, says that he will help in the pursuit of that final card, the twin elders. Um, and he says because he hid it. Uh, so the nightmare, who's in Elspeth's body, has agreed to help the king find the card to avoid being put to death. So, but he does sac say he'll, he'll sacrifice her body. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Yeah. So were you, were you satisfied with the ending? And what predictions do you have for the next novel? Yeah, I was super satisfied with this ending. I thought that, first of all, this is how you do a cliffhanger. This was fantastic. You, She really wrapped everything up, but still said, oh, there's more to come and you're going to have to wait for it. Amazing job. I thought that it, it just, it left me wanting more. I want to know more about everyone. I want to see where this journey is going to take them. I agree. I think that there's a chance Elspeth's body may be 
put to rest and maybe she'll kind of be reborn into a different body in some way the way that she was able to absorb the the magic of the providence cards maybe she'll be able to put her soul into something else who knows what that could look like i definitely think we're going to see her inside the nightmare's brain in her own body (laughs) which sounds weird um i think she's going to be able to communicate with raven who can use the nightmare card to then access the thoughts and speak into the brain. I'm hoping that they'll find the Twin Elders card. Again, like you said, the Nightmare is the only one who knows where it is because he is the Shepherd King and he is the one that buried it, you know, centuries ago. Uh, I do think we're going to see more of Elm and Ioni. I think that he's going to help bring Ioni back from the dark side. Like I said, I think we are going to see this group overcome the King. My only thing I'm not sure about is Emery. I have a feeling he may end up dying before they're able to save him but i don't know maybe we'll have a happy ending so we'll see but i'm super excited to see where the next novel takes us and i i was really satisfied with this ending i was satisfied with this whole book yeah i was astonished um i loved this ending i thought it was so good yeah and it made me want to read the next one immediately i was very satisfied uh i think that the twin elders twin elders card is we don't know what it does because nobody's ever used it so i think that that's going to link to her revival of some in some way or at least her recovery or something and i think that the nightmare who he really is the shepherd king like alex said he was the one that hid this i think he knows what it does so perhaps maybe he knows that it could help her because he has been saying even though he's taking over her he's doing it in not in a kind way <laughs> but he's doing it in a way that he's he's saying that he was protecting her yeah um and i think in some way he he became a monster, but I think maybe she's helping him return back to who he used to be in some way. And I think maybe this will help ground that ground him for that. Um, and I think that if he does know what the twin elders card does, and if it does um, help her in some way, I think that's why he maybe is sacrificing her um, in this scene with the king. He could also be bullshitting the king. Who the hell knows? He hates this king. Yeah. So you know he, he was the king, and now all of a sudden this guy's lineage became you know usurper. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, you can't necessarily suggest that he's a trustworthy narrator either because we don't know. That's true. Uh, I have high hopes. My predictions for the next novel, um, novel, my <laughs> predictions for the next <laughs> novel, I have high hopes for. Uh, I knew that something was going to happen with her. I knew it wasn't going to be um, someone else's blood because on the cover, it does say martyr. And I knew she was going to become a martyr at some point. So this made sense and it kind of all linked it together for me. So I knew I know something is going to go down with that, but I'm I don't think that they're going to make it where she just dies. I think that it's going to be something. I think Rachel Gillig has something even better in store for us, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, I did forget to mention because you had brought up this quote earlier: uh, "The girl, the king, and the monster they became," or "The king, the girl, and the monster they became." I am wondering if Elspeth has some type of connection to the spirit of the wood, or who the spirit mm, of the wood was. That would be and, great. And you know, as the the shepherd king, and then the spirit of the wood, and then together they kind of formed this monster because she's the one who granted him the powers, the magic that was then harnessed into the cards. So maybe we'll see the spirit of the wood in the sequel and maybe it'll have some type of connection to Elspeth. Maybe she is the spirit in the wood reincarnated in some way. Yeah, yeah that's why they she's say, able to absorb the magic. Yeah, and they say that, yeah, she's kind of like taking it back. And they mm-hmm. say that nobody has been able to communicate with her or or has like heard of her or seen her in centuries. So very interesting. Very interesting. Very excited. <laughs> yeah well done (laughs) yeah 
So what did you think of Rachel Gillig's writing and the use of quotes from the in-universe text, the old book of elders in the novel? And what themes did you notice throughout the novel? I loved everything about this. So I loved how the beginning quotes, you know, how everything was poetic. And I love how they were from the old book and you get to read the old book without reading the old book. Um, you know what I mean? I just love how it was presented to us. I love how it, it let us know what was going to happen in the chapter, kind of like fourth wing that happened with that. And I really loved that. So, you know, I really loved how poetic the, the book was. So the quotes were prophesizing. Uh, they were basically telling us that a girl was going to come about and she was going to acquire the king in some way and they were going to become one. And that does happen. So I feel like everything is coming to fruition from this book. And I feel like the Shepherd King knows that because he wrote this book, didn't he? So mm. a lot more to him that he knows that we haven't been told yet. And I think that when we enter his mind instead of Elspeth's mind, we're going to actually enter his mind, I think, in the next mm. book. And I think that we're going to learn a lot of things. <laughs> Themes I noticed in the novel, um, I am always, always attracted to nature and natural uh, things that have to do with trees and things in books. I literally wrote my whole thesis on that. So I was super excited when this book came about and there was all these, uh, you know, everything had to do with the forest. They're, they're only allowed to dwell inside this area that's contained by the forest. Um, all their last names have to do with trees. Some of them that are lesser, like not as high up, high end families are kind of like bushes and, you know, things like that. I just thought it was such an interesting structure that she did it this way. I love that. I love how everyone is connected in some way to this place, to this world through their names. And I just think it's so interesting. Even the book of elders, elder is a tree. It's a book of trees, if you think about it that way. So I think that maybe in the next book, the hiding place or wherever he put this card that's been missing for centuries is going to become, you know, something having to do with inside of a tree or something. Mm -hmm. Got It can't be out in the open. It's got to be somewhere that people haven't been able to find it for centuries. Yeah. And I'm sure these people questing for power have looked for it and looked for it. The king, it says in the book, has been looking for it. Yeah. Um, so the, he had to put it somewhere no one's going to find it. And who would think like a trunk of a tree or something like that? So yeah. I have a feeling it's going to come back to the trees. I liked the I liked the tree theme throughout the book. Oh, first of all, I loved her writing. I think yeah. that's been established. I, yes. I thought she's an excellent writer. I think she did. I think the, the writing was really beautiful. I really loved the use of little riddles and poems. I loved the excerpts from the old Book of Elders. It did an excellent job of explaining the magic and reinforcing the magic without you having to, like you said, read the, this whole book or have like a lot of lengthy, non-necessary information just thrown into the novel for no apparent reason. It was just really nice to see that. It was really, and it helped you remember because it was in rhymes. Right. <laughs> so that yes, was cool. I love that. Yeah. And I think it's funny you mentioned because the nightmare as the Shepherd King had written the book. And I think that's why he spoke in rhymes as well when he was speaking inside of uh, Elspeth's mind, he was often talking in rhymes. So I thought that there's that interesting connection there. With the trees, I thought it all comes back to the spirit of the wood. So to me, this reminds me of like old mythology where, you know, it's like the earth is a god and the trees are, there's the tree gods and stuff like that. And it is like this old kingdom that worshiped these tree gods or the spirit of the wood. And so their names all kind of took on those, those to, to honor the spirit of the wood, took on those names. But I think that we might see a connection between their names and maybe their roles in the book. But I think we might see more of that in the second one. I don't really know much about trees. Like, I don't know what a yew tree is. So maybe if I did some research on it. But I, I'm curious to see if that'll come back in, in the second book. 
in terms of having a, a deeper connection to the, the characters themselves. And then the other theme, and maybe this is just me being over analytical of it, but I did think that the whole concept of Elspeth having this monster living inside of her head kind of represented this idea of the duality of woman where you have on the outside a very demure, quiet, and reserved woman, but then you have this other side of her that can be vicious and dangerous and outspoken and formidable, but she has to keep it hidden. And I really liked that. I don't know if that's something that Rachel Gillig was trying to go for, but to me, as I was reading it, that's what I kept thinking of, is like how people, especially at this you know, they don't, it doesn't have a time frame. It's a fantasy book, but it suggested it's maybe like 1800s or something. All the women wear dresses. She was really put off by having to put on pants. <laughs> but I thought that there was that that underlying theme there that kind of showed this different dynamic of how women are supposed to be versus how they truly are and how they can be perceived. I like that. I didn't even connect that. And I think that makes a lot of sense. And that does connect back to trees also. First of all, you made me want to look up all these different names trees <laughs> and see what their connections are because I'm like, wait, th there might be some connections there. Yeah, uh, Very good, Alex, and I will do that. <laughs> but when you look at a tree, you just see, you know, the green leaves and you see the trunk and you don't think of anything much. But underneath the ground, there's all these roots mm -hmm. inside the leaves. You know, there's life, there's all these stems and inside there's branches, there's bark. There's so many different parts of trees um, and there's so much going on on the inside. So I feel like that has to do also um, that just comes back to what you're saying about, you know, how inside of us, there's so much going on that you just don't think about. And a woman definitely has things going on in her mind. Trees, definitely they're alive too. So who the hell knows what, what's in their mind? Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, I must give oxygen to all of you. Uh, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of things that are, you know, working there. And I wonder if, if she, I have a feeling that she did, that she had this all fleshed out and thought about all these things. I, I just, I think her writing, I, I'm surprised this is her debut book because I think it's awesome. Yeah. Um, but the last thing I wanted to say is uh, about what you were saying too, about um, how everything has to do with like, I, I forgot there's that curse. They, instead of cursing, they're like, oh, trees. Yes. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Every time they were like, oh, trees. I think that's so funny that even their curse was trees. I don't yeah. Know. Instead of like, oh, oh, fuck. Like, they were, oh, trees. Like, I don't know. It's just I, funny. I did think that was slightly corny, but I liked it, it. it was also kind of cute. So. <laughs> Only because it also, sounds so silly. <laughs> also, I didn't know about the poem inspiration that we mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. I learned about that. And I think... Um, that that's interesting it might have inspired her to do these rhymes so i didn't even connect that theme. yeah but i like yeah. that too so what were your thoughts on the title one dark window and we didn't even mention what the one dark window means so i know let's mention that and would, would you have titled it anything else i don't think i would have titled it anything different i liked the title so basically the one dark window is at the old uh palace castle Castle? Shepherd King that's inside her head, his old castle. Right. But it was a castle, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he he lived in the castle that is now U Manor, and there's still a part of it. So it, it had pro, uh, mostly burnt down, but now there is a small piece of it left, and there's one window that's remains standing. And that's what the one dark window is referring to. So I liked the title. I liked that it came from the poem. I liked that it was incorporated into the story. I thought it fit really well. I think it's a really cool title. It's it's not overdone. It doesn't give a lot away. And 
I think it's really appropriate. I, I liked it. I wouldn't have changed it. Yeah, I agree with you. And what I love too is that this is the first book in her series. So it's one dark window. Her second book is two twisted crowns. Yeah. I think that's so <laughs> cool. Just very clever mm. uh, of her. So I wouldn't have changed anything any either. I think that it's intriguing. You want to know about this one dark window. Uh, I'm pretty sure too that didn't people get burned alive inside this castle? Yeah. Like him and children? There were a bunch of that children shit is dark. that she was trying to get out. I think she was able to get the children out. She had well, like I a vision where she was running with the children. She was having a memory, I think, of his. I don't know. It's not really, I don't think it's really like confirmed yet. But I think that she was, because she kept having the memory of him sitting there in yeah. the castle by the window. So I think maybe she might have been having a, a memory of him running with the kids and then them all getting burned, like the infected ch children. He was trying to save them. Yeah. I don't know. He was definitely trying to save them. Um, but I don't, what I meant was, I don't know if they got out or if they were burned. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So what did you think of the cover art? Do you think it fits loved. with the content of the book? Would you have loved. changed anything? All right. <laughs> no, I loved the cover art. The only thing I might've changed is the fact that they say martyr on there because that gave away the fact that I think that she's going to be sacrificed mm. in some way. Um, but that's not, you know, the art. That's just, you know, whoever wrote that on there. It does make it interesting though. Because it was like uh, made in monster uh, martyr, like very cool. Mm, but um, yeah. but the cover art is gorgeous. I think it's beautiful to see. Yeah. And, you know, it's a woman like on a bridge and she has all this smoke coming out of her. And it's just so awesome. And you want to read it because you're like, this is cool. At first, when I first glanced at it, because it was on the Kindle that I read this, I thought it was a train <laughs> with the smoke oh. coming out of it. <laughs> and it was crossing a bridge. And I was like, hmm, a train. <laughs> And I thought maybe the dark window had to do with the train. Okay. <laughs> but that's because it's a me problem and I can't see without my glasses. So um, as soon as I put my glasses on, I was like, oh, it's a woman. So <laughs> then it made sense. I need my glasses. I need my glasses. me without his glasses. But no, I loved the cover art. I thought it was beautiful and it, it was dark and I thought it, it fit well with everything in the book. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it perfectly encapsulates the feeling of this novel it does have that gothic feel to it everything's very dark there's the mist that's surrounding you there's a lot of danger hidden dangers and there's magic and i thought it was really interesting to see elspeth or who we should assume i guess is elspeth that's a woman standing on a bridge connecting two different castles or two parts of the same castle i thought it was interesting to see her standing right in the middle of one uh right in the middle of it in between the two so kind of showing that she's caught up between two different, not so much two different worlds, but kind of two different re realities in a sense, um, between two different opposing forces. So I, I, I really like the novel. I wouldn't have changed anything. I mean, the cover. And it is absolutely gorgeous. Yes. One of the most beautiful covers for the books that we've read this year, in my opinion. I agree. I agree with you there. All right. So for the fun part, if this book could be summed up as... What would they be? The rule is first thing that comes to mind. If it could be summed up as a song, what song would it be? I want it painted black. Painted okay. black. I can just see it like in a, a trailer for the movie. I could see it being like painted black, but Sierra version. Do you ever hear Sierra's version? No. Oh, it's so good. It's like slowed down. She just kills it. You mm, have to listen to it. Okay. So that, that version. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. I think I'm going to go with creep. 
by Radiohead. Ooh. I, like I don't know that. why. I like it. <laughs> it makes me think of the nightmare a little bit. So I'll go with that. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Okay. How about a nail color? I think like a really dark gray. That's so funny. I was going to say like a dark charcoal or something like oh, that. Nice. Or a black or like a, a deep, deep blood red, like deep. Yeah. You know, like, or even like, you I know, um, Wicked, the color Wicked, like that dark brown too. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, that makes sense. Basically all the colors. <laughs> I'm like, here, every color. <laughs> Maybe a combination of all of them. Yeah. Uh, what about a cocktail? Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I don't know if it has a specific name, but something with that ice that like smokes from the cup when you're drinking it. Have you yes. seen those cocktails? Like something like that. It does. It could be any cocktail, really, as long as it has that dry ice and that's making it smoke. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, and maybe it'll be red. <laughs> I would say like a dark chocolate martini. Oh, okay. What about an item of clothing? A cloak. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I was thinking about like a trench coat, like some okay. long coat or something, because I could see her on the road, you know, at the, in the middle of the night with like a long coat or something. Yeah. That's funny. We were both like kind of thinking the same thing. Yeah. More or less. What about a meal? Berries. <laughs> they mention <laughs> berries a lot in this book. This book makes me they, not like, want to eat. Berry, berries <laughs> with some yogurt. <laughs> I'm going to stick with my dark theme. I'm going to say dark chocolate because there was probably many a time that I was snacking on some dark chocolate while reading this book. Okay. <laughs> probably had some inspiration from that. All right. How about an animal? I think like a wolf. Like a big gray wolf. Uh, I don't know why, but I want to say a raven. Oh, okay. I think that's because of raven. <laughs> there you go. Probably. <laughs> Makes sense. That's a good point. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, for some reason, I'm just going to picture raven with a raven on his shoulder. <laughs> that would be cool if he had a, raven, a pet raven. Right? <laughs> my name's raven. raven. This is my pet raven. <laughs> also named raven. Spelled a little We're different. <laughs> Two ravens. <laughs> Uh, his so his name if you haven't read the book is r-a-v-y-n his pet raven is going to be named r-a-y-v-n so oh. he'll, he could be like this is i'm raven this is my pet raven raven but they all have different spellings okay i'm done i'm sorry i'll put myself in time out. <laughs> wait what's even funnier is that his last name is you so it's like no you are raven. no you are raven you know i don't know raven you who me no you what <laughs> like where's your car dude yeah. oh god uh, what did yours say sweet what does mine say dude right. <laughs> where's my car no one okay all right so would you scoop or skip this novel and how many golden scoops would you give it i mean i think we made it obvious this whole yeah. discussion <laughs> that we would 100 scoop we would 100 recommend i give this book a five-star review this is one of my favorite books that I've read so far this year. One of the best standout books for me that I've read in a while. I loved this book. I would read this book again and again. I thought it was very well written. I thought it was so executed well uh, by Rachel Gillig. I'm impressed with her. I would read more from her. I can't wait for the second one. I think that she ended it perfectly to the point where I just cannot get wait to get my hands on the next copy <laughs> and read more. <laughs> I loved the characters. Um, I actually grew attached to the characters, which is so important in a book. Mm -hmm. You want to be connected to them. Um, I know I, I love Elm. I want to meet him. Does he exist? <laughs> uh, you know, I just, it's just 
I felt bad for Elspeth. You know, there was lots of times where I was trying to put myself in her shoes and they were just relatable. They were realistic. Even if it was a magical world, the world itself seems realistic. And I just have nothing bad to say. No harsh criticism whatsoever. I tried to find something wrong to give it a four and a half and just wasn't happening. So five stars from me, a hundred percent go and read this book. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. It's definitely a scoop for me. I would reread this book. I will reread this book. I'm definitely going to read the sequel. I At this point, I would read anything that Rachel Gillard comes out with. <laughs> a brand new author, I want to see what more she can do. If this is her debut, I want more. And I, I really would recommend this to anyone. I think most people would enjoy this book. Even if you're not super into fantasy, I think you might like this book. Because it's really, there's political intrigue. There's found family tropes. There's a lot of character development and just interesting character dynamics. I, I think... It's a great book all around. I also give it five golden scoops. I I was like you. I was trying to reflect on it for a few days. I was like, is it a five? Is it really? And I was going through all my usual things. I was like, no, it really is. Like, I can't complain about anything. If I did have a complaint, it was so minor. It's like, it's not worth taking stars away. So definitely a five star for me. Definitely one of my favorite books of this year. And I'm really impressed with Rachel Gillig. Thank you, Or. Same. I have nothing bad to say about her. I think yeah. that... Like you said, this being a debut and her improve, it's just her writing's just going to improve. I'm there for it. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I'm excited to see what she has in store for us next. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for her for sure. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she's the type of author too that's like a, she she could break our heart. She doesn't mm-hmm. care so much about our hearts. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we'll see. You know, you know what I mean? It's like at the end of this, she was like, "Crush! I will crush your heart." I'm like, Ouch. Imagine um, at the end of the book, she's like, just kidding, Elspeth is dead, and so is the Nightmare, and so is Elm, and I'd be just, I would just be like, fuck you, Rachel Gillig, you know but I give mean? me more. Like, I know. I feel like she could do that, and I, I kind of love that from her. But I feel like if you're somebody who doesn't really appreciate or like a YA book, like, don't go into this thinking it's a YA read, because it's not. Uh, yeah. I was very, very surprised to find out it's considered YA, and I think that might have been not her intention. I really think that they made it a YA because of the age group. It's um, possible, that, but she's, you know. I think she's 20, um, Elspeth. So it's not even like she's super young, like you see in a lot of these YAs. It's kind she, of on the cusp. It is, yeah, it but... is coming of age. You know, she was young when she got infected. I don't know. No, uh, I mean, that's just a flashback. But yeah, I, uh, honestly, I don't know if she, the only thing if she wanted this to be a YA and then they changed it. I don't know. But if anything, it's higher YA. This isn't a a lower YA novel where you would consider it for 13 or 14 year olds. Definitely more 17, 18, I would oh, think. Oh, yeah. I there would is a little bit of spice. Scary for a younger child. Yeah. It, it is a little creepy. There were a couple yeah. parts when I was reading where I was a little like, oh my God, like, because it, it was so atmospheric, this novel. I really like it felt creepy when you were reading certain things. Yeah, I, I think older teens, uh, again, there is a little bit of spice that, you know, it's not too graphic, but there is a little bit of sex in it. Um, yeah. So for the younger ones. If you like watching ghost things or like ghost stories, I mean, there's a literal ghost living in this girl's mind. Yeah. It's sick. <laughs> it's awesome. Ooh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> it's October. Let us live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next Tuesday, October 17th, we will be reading and reviewing The Silent Patient by Alex Michalides. Join us then for our thoughts on the psychological thriller and join us again this Thursday, 10-12, for another party episode.
Don't forget to mark your calendar for our next Book of the Month episode, which will air on Wednesday, October 25th. We'll be reading and discussing Catrione Ward's horror novel, The Last House on Needless Street. And get ready for our next bonus episode. Monday, October 16th, we'll be discussing the first book in Stephanie Garber's Caraval series, Caraval. Join us then as we discuss the young adult fantasy novel and play some games. If you haven't read the upcoming books but would like to, head on over to the link in our bio and get a copy for yourself so that you can participate in future discussions. You don't pay anything extra, but if you make a purchase using our link, we get a small commission. So thank you so much for supporting us. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, it would really mean a lot to us if you would leave a positive review on Spotify, Apple, or whichever streaming service you use. We would really appreciate it also if you could spread the word by telling friends and family about our podcast. And of course, we want to say thank you to all of our listeners. We really appreciate each and every one of you. We also want to remind everyone to be on the lookout for our live events on TikTok. Yep, we'll be doing some live events soon, and we will post upcoming dates on our socials. If you're just tuning in, this is what you can expect from our podcast. We're going to be releasing new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so be sure to check out our socials for updates and also some bonus content. You can find us on Instagram, TikTok, and other platforms. Click on the link in our bio for access to all of our socials, our website, and other links. We encourage you to reach out to us with thoughts, ideas, questions, and feedback. You can email us at bookswithcooks at gmail.com. You can also find our full book reviews on Goodreads. These links will also be available at the link in bio. If no one told you today, you're important and valued. You belong here. You're doing great. And we believe in you. Now let's turn the page and put a fork in it because we're done with this one. Word of the day is <laughs> what was that? That just popped up. I don't it's know. That festival What? <laughs> just, I don't know. Sometimes my mouse scrolls to something like over here, and it just has random stuff come up, and I don't know why. why. It's villagers. I don't know. Just, I don't know. All right, oh. hold on. I'm starting this over. <laughs> Now it's up again. With your definitely planned villager letters. <laughs> so whatever the hell just popped up. It was like festival and villagers combined. <laughs> You're trying to kill me, bro. Oops. Without further ado, today's word of the day is waft. <laughs> waft. It's waft. <laughs> what it's like having a roni. <laughs> Having a waftaroni. Get out of here. Waftaroni. <laughs> Without further ado, today's word of the day is waft. Spelled. Spelled. <laughs> Spelled. I can't do this. No, I can't even hear you. I just heard what? I'm over here. I'm talking here. Oh my god. Okay. Oh, no.
Whoop-dee-dee-scoop-poop. <laughs> 